I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. In five, four, three. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. I'm your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And back with me just in time is the one and only Hillbilly Boy Campbell. What's going on, Justin? Oh, the kids are on fall break today. So the my daughter is sleeping, but my son is trying to get murdered on, on live stream. So we'll see how this goes. If yeah, he does you're, the you're coming that- through a little choppy here. He's probably got something turned on. Give me just a second to go beat a child, and I'll be I'll be right back. I, every time we have a uh, we have a holiday of some sort, and kids are home, I get this. Give me just a second. It's, it's pretty early, yeah. All right, go ahead. Well, I guess it's a little later. He's an hour ahead of me, so it's ten o'clock his time. Uh, I would be perfectly fine still being in bed as a kid. But man, there was just no way I was allowed to sleep until 10 a.m. On uh, well, what's the, today's a Friday, so. Um, but yeah, it was just you had to get up and like, if I didn't, I mean, I usually played sports or something, so I was usually on my way to a baseball game or something. But if I wasn't doing that and it was like I didn't have a job, I started working when I was like 15, uh, like really working, and. Uh, then it was like, yeah, up at like 8 a.m., I guess. And then it was like time to do shit around the house or yard work with the old man, mow the lawn, rake the fucking leaves. I guess this time of year you're raking leaves, right? Can't you put them outside? Go tell him to fucking do some yard work? Well, the problem is I told him to get his room and his closet and everything clean that he's supposed to have been doing for the last week and hasn't done yet. So, so here we are. <laughs> These kids today. Oh man. Um, anyway, what uh, we got a I, I think a pretty good show for this Friday. There um, has I, been a, a there has been more than plenty that has gone on since we last talked. Yeah, we'll we'll see how much we can get through. But on the last episode, we were basically recording. I think while the vote to remove McCarthy as speaker was going on. And like, as soon as I put out the episode, it was like, people were texting me, Hey, did you see McCarthy's out? And I was like, Oh shit. That's wonderful timing. I I don't think uh, either of us really thought that was going to happen. 
I was surprised. I I didn't think that the Democrats would actually vote him out. I thought they would. Uh, I thought they would stick with the guy that they were you know, like making deals with and stuff. But never underestimate the Democrats' willingness to be petty pieces of shit and vote against somebody just on by or on uh, party politics lines. I guess. Yeah, it it was, and like I I know I mentioned on the last show that Pelosi was saying everything was going to be copacetic, and usually she's kind of right about that stuff. At least I feel like she is uh, when it comes to like those kinds of votes. Like she doesn't bring stuff to the floor unless she knows she's got the votes, and she doesn't come out and say things unless she knows she's got everything uh, lined up. But it is pretty interesting. I mean, like this could really backfire on them <laughs> like they had a fucking a pushover that was giving them basically everything that they wanted and i mean now i i think trump squashed talks of him being speaker late uh yesterday or last night or something i think he he met with somebody and then he said he was going to endorse jim jordan for the position we got that right because i mean we were just fantasizing about trump becoming speaker of the house and how unbelievably delicious that would be i think i'd rather have that than him being president yeah and it, but he did he did come out and say that he would endorse jim jordan for for the speakership which i mean he's the he's the best one on the on the docket for taking that spot which uh he has been really good on a lot of stuff over the last couple of years, especially since COVID. And I mean, he was good on stuff before that. Um, the, the Democrats might end up regretting this decision to, to go ahead and oust McCarthy. If they end up with Jim, with Jim, Jim Jordan as the, uh, as the new speaker of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they would have really regretted it if Trump would fucking just go for it. Cause that would just be fucking unbelievable. I mean, not only does, he have the best words. Um, <laughs> he knows public speaking probably better than anybody. And he would just have so much power, <laughs> like things that he couldn't do as president where, you know, I think the, what's the speaker get, get to like basically determine who's on all these committees, what they're going to start investigating. Like he could spearhead a lot of things. Could you imagine him sitting behind Biden when Biden gives a state of the union and just going right. like Pelosi style, like rip, uh, ripping up the speech and everything? Oh, my God. Yeah. Just like the the facial expressions that he would have I, I for the memes alone. It would just be the greatest thing ever. And oh, God, it would just be so fucking funny. And he'd be second in line for the presidency. So, you know, Joe Biden kicks the bucket which I think that's going to happen pretty soon. And then you just impeach Kamala Harris and all of a sudden Donald Trump is president again. <laughs> oh, unfortunately it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It would have just added fuel to the, to the fire anyway. It's probably, probably for the best. Uh, although there has been some more kind of uh, coming around about not just the way that, the uh, Justice Department has weaponized, been weaponized against Trump. But now did you see that the, the FBI is going to start targeting Trump supporters and, and Trump voters as well? Right. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things we had on the docket for today. Because these, 
if you take a step back and look at what's going on here, I mean, these things are really starting to pile up. Uh, if you were reading about another country, a communist country, for instance, uh, this is like, you know, like par for the course, one step at it. Like this is exactly what they do. They go after their political opponents. Um, they go after the people who vote for them. And, and so, yeah, if you voted for Donald Trump, you're going to find yourself on an FBI list. And if you have like a so they're going after Donald Trump, they're they're stealing his businesses out from under him. They're they're trying to bankrupt him and or throw him in prison. Uh, so we, we can talk about that a little bit. But that's not far enough. Anybody that was at January 6th has found themselves in a, in a deep, dark hole for the last couple of years and facing, you know, 15, 20 years in fucking prison. Now, if you just voted for the guy. Uh, not only can you not really talk about that at um, at your job for fear of of being, I don't know, fired. Uh, but now, like the government's going to come after you if you have your own business. I guarantee you, if you voted for Trump, the IRS is going to be knocking on your door pretty soon. Like you're going to start getting audited for ridiculous reasons, and they're just going to like make your life a living hell. Um, and scare you out of not voting for the opposition. Well, and the crazy thing was, like, we've seen this happen before. The Obama administration weaponized the IRS against Republican donors and supporters and voters. Like, this is not this is not new. This is not like something that's un unheard of. They they have been doing it for a long time. The fact that the Republicans try to try to play try to play clean and won't do this whenever they're in power is kind of a uh, yeah pathetic but and it is just it's unbelievable to watch it unfold and like the democrats are doing this to their political opponents and you know they they talk about democracy and free and fair elections and everything like that and it's like oh well we're going to investigate you if you vote for who we don't vote for and meanwhile they're accusing republicans of being these uh fascist fucking uh, horrible people when they're literally doing everything that they're accusing the Republicans of. And then the Republicans are too afraid to do it for fear of being accused of it, but you're already being accused of it. So you might as well just fucking play, you know, fire, fight fire with fire. I don't understand their, their, uh, their approach to this. It, do it doesn't make any sense unless you kind of look at it as they're just kind of like almost like controlled opposition. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting that that's actually getting that that's a story that's actually getting picked up and picked up and covered. Like uh, you you wouldn't expect um, you wouldn't expect that to get talked about particularly, but here it is with, with like, the FBI. Yeah, going after voters. Yeah, it's that is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like usually they kind of just do these things, and you hear about it later. Uh, but I mean, they've already called parents who were going to like school board meetings and contesting, you know, the critical race theory being taught and all this like, um, you know, transgender sex education stuff to their like fourth graders. Anybody who protested that at, at school board meetings was deemed a domestic terrorist. And again, like these, these are the comeuppance we've been talking about. You give the government the power to label somebody a terrorist 
and that gives them all of these special powers to violate your your rights. What did you think they were going to do with it? You think they really give a fucking rip about ISIS? It's like, no, no, no. That was the opportunity. That was the opportunity to give them the power so that, yes, they can they can have all these like proxy wars and things and and, uh, you know, launder a bunch of money, get rich off the, their fucking, you know, Raytheon lobbyists and everything like that. But it also just gives them the power to absolutely control everybody in the country now. I mean, like you there, if you look at what what happens to people who are useful to the regime versus people who are uh, critical of the regime of the regime, it's like people who are rioting uh, during the Black Lives Matter thing in 2020, they're getting like million dollar settlements, even though they burn down cities people who rioted on January 6th, and I use that term very, very loosely, uh, they're finding themselves in prison. <laughs> it's just like um, anybody who who votes for Donald Trump now is going to be targeted by a government agency. And we kind of already knew that, like you said, that they were doing this, but now it's like, which is out there like again everything's just so in your face they're not even trying to hide it anymore yeah basically they're just doing it as blatantly as possible and pretending that you didn't notice that they changed the narrative or that they you know or or didn't notice that they are actually doing it like they they rely on your stupidity and the fact that you don't pay attention to kind of push these different narratives and and or just to do whatever they fucking want to do and act like it's no big deal i i mean look at what's the democrats response going to be to the biden administration pushing forward and uh bypassing like 26 different federal regulations in order to build the border wall like they're the, the, if if they're successful the biden administration is going to have more success in building the border wall in a year than the trump administration did in four like, yeah. And it's unbelievable. It's just like, oh, building a wall is racist, white supremacist. You can't do that. And as soon as uh, all of these Democratic cities get overrun with uh, illegal immigrants and they start complaining, oh, well, now uh, Biden's just going to, yeah, forget about all those uh, laws. We're going to build. We, we need a wall now. I thought walls didn't work. I thought walls were racist. Uh <laughs> But all of a sudden, now we need them. And it's just like, I forget what Donald Trump said he was going to do it for. It was like $5 billion or something like that. And it's like New York's spending that like a month to house, house all these people. Where it's just like, yeah, you know, you could have just had the wall built um, and let people come here legally. I mean, even if you talk to like people that waited their turn in line and like went through the government regulations and did everything they were supposed to do. Uh, to get into the U.S., they're more upset about this illegal uh, immigration than anybody because they jumped through all – they did everything right. They jumped in. And these people just fucking walk in here and, and start getting all these uh, these things for free. Um, the, yeah, there, anybody who does things legally is is like livid about this. It's not about like, oh, we don't want – immigrants and where we hate uh, uh hispanics or minorities or something like that it's just like dude you can't 
run a country this way. You just can't, like, it's not going to work. It's chaos. It's literally chaos. And it's just, it's unraveling right before our eyes. It's, it's unbelievable that, and now they're, now they have to just backpedal on everything. Now they're building walls. Okay. Well, and the justification that Biden gives for, he says that the wall, the walls don't work. I, I think, um, our government's best good buddy Israel is a example, a shining example of the fact that they do. But nonetheless, he says the walls don't work. And the, uh, the reason that they're building the wall is because the money was appropriated for a wall and he tried to reappropriate it, but they wouldn't reappropriate the money. And there's nothing they can do with the money other than use it for what it's been appropriated for. So they're just going to go ahead and bypass all of these, all of these, uh, laws and restrictions and just build it anyway like that's all we, can, yeah. we can't do anything else with the money so we got you know we just nope. got we've got to spend tied. It. yeah all yeah. of a sudden they can't spend the money on whatever the fuck they want uh yeah okay and walls don't work i love that one yet we have we see i see walls everywhere they're all over the place um things that don't work go the way of the dodo bird pretty quickly um Walls have worked for thousands of years. They will continue to work. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. uh, it, it really is unbelievable. I don't understand what, what all these 26 laws are. Uh, why is it so hard to build walls? I, I think it's probably a lot of typical government red tape bullshit, like um, yeah, just, zoning permits and have yeah, to go yeah, through yeah. a certain right. bidding process and blah, blah, blah. That was another great Obama moment. <laughs> when they were he was trying to get a bunch of money out to people or something I, I forget exactly what was going on but he's like if there's red tape in the way we'll just cut it we'll cut the red cut through all the bullshit to make things easier and facilitate whatever we're trying to get done it's just like this great admission that government's in the way fucking ruining everything <laughs> oh man but yeah, the whole justification for actually going forward with the wall is because they've already got the money. The, the money's just sitting around. They just need to they need to spend it, and this is the only thing that they're permitted to spend it on. So I like okay, well. it, like and any any like normal business that has some level of accountability. Like if you have the money and you can't spend it for anything else, then you just like sit on it. You you don't. But that's that's not the way government programs work. Like the more money you spend, the more you can justify the things you're doing. So like if we've got it, if it's already been appropriated, we just got to fucking spend it. Like, yeah. Another great example of the yeah their motivations and things like, like anything that's allocated for whatever program, even if they don't need it, they spend it because then the following year they can say like yeah we needed every fucking cent of it, so give us at least that plus you know like another ten percent because yeah we have to keep growing. Yeah, it's. I'm sure it's going to work out uh, wonderfully. I wonder what the next um, Democrat position is that's going to turn into that was formerly like a Trump um, campaign pillar <laughs> that they're gonna that they're gonna have to end up embracing. Oh, have you not seen um, San Francisco's mayor is pushing for drug testing welfare recipients now? <laughs> Oh, that's interesting because uh, I'm pretty sure they were just giving drug addicts like a thousand dollars a month or something. <laughs> like, what was it, six hundred bucks a month, and all the free needles they needed? Yeah, that didn't work out. No, no, yeah. they've I've seen these things coming. I, I just don't understand it. The San Francisco mayor said they've got to do something to curb this, so they're going to start. They're going to start either um, 
they're going to her her proposition is to start drug testing and if you cannot pass a drug test then you either don't get your uh you won't get your welfare money or you have to go to therapy or rehab of some sort in order to qualify to get it so like you have to seek treatment and seek help or you or you just won't get it uh, like like i i remember not that long ago when this was like a bigoted right wing talking point and you yeah. just care and you didn't care about poor people you just yeah, wanted, Justin, you just I mean, wanted you to see poor people start you cannot put stipulations on free money Anybody deserves it. They're human beings. They can have whatever they want whenever they need it because, yeah, we care. We care so much about people. And it's like, dude, it's like, well, you have a, a million kids. You know what it's like. You don't just let your kids eat fucking ice cream sundaes and fucking ding dongs all day long because you care about that because that's what they want. And you care like you don't want to, like, I don't know, hurt their feelings or something or deny them the satisfaction of getting everything that they want. It's like, no, you eat your fucking vegetables and you have like three square meals a day because I care about you because I know what's in your best interest. Not like, Oh, you're addicted to crack. Well, let me give you 600 bucks a month so you can keep fucking putting poison into yourself. Have you seen where speaking of these, you know, those kind of policies, uh, New York, not too long ago had implemented instead of doing something to to combat the problem with homeless people on drugs they were giving out narcan like if you see a home so that if you see a homeless person having a uh, like an in the midst of an overdose on the street you can go administer narcan to them and save their lives like why the <laughs> why the fuck are we expecting like just the average citizen on the street to go save a homeless person who's having a fucking overdose. Like, but that's that's the that's the policy that they've come up with to instead of combating the issue, let's just make sure we like uh, give everybody Adjusting the tools to keep the these problem. people alive. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just like keep them alive so you can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is just unfucking believable. And this idea that like you can get handouts with with no stipulations. What fucking fantasy world is that? Like, if you ask for something from somebody, that person can, yeah, like, they'll be like, I can give it to you, but, like, I'm giving it to you under these conditions. And if, if that's unacceptable, then, you know, okay, you don't get it. Like, you pull your, if you, if you put your fucking hand out and you're essentially begging for something, um, you don't get to determine, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You don't get to decide the <laughs> like the conditions under which somebody gives you something. When has that ever been the fucking case? Well, I mean, and the more we talk about these cities, like it, it just keeps pointing back to the, the further they drive these policies and the more insane it gets, the more we start to see stuff like this, where like now we've got Starbucks closing down seven San Francisco yeah. locations, which I mean, it's it's Starbucks in San Francisco, so seven is probably not even a quarter of how many they have. I mean, that, that's like just everything on one corner. It's just, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think they they've already shuttered sixteen profitable locations. I don't know if they were all in San Francisco or maybe it just. I think it says somewhere in this article, uh, sixteen. I don't remember exactly. It might have just been in California in general, but seven more 
um, because of the, the crime. They say it's like not safe to be in these neighborhoods. Now, if you remember, like there's like this old, it's, I guess it's not that old, this saying that it's like when Starbucks moves into a neighborhood, that's when you want to start investing in that neighborhood because like it's being gentrified and like the property value is going to go up and they've done their market research and they're, they're very optimistic in this area. Uh, if that's true, then the opposite has to be true. If Starbucks is packing up and running for the hills, what does that say about this neighborhood? What does it say about this city, this area? And this yeah. is a very like liberally like very uh liberal organization like they try their hardest to like stand by these like retarded policies and embrace them and if they're capitulating i think you better follow follow them out the door i mean check out this list of so it says, uh, since the onset of coronavirus in spring of 2020, some 40 retail, retail stores have ditched the once bustling Union Square section of downtown San Francisco. We uh, here's And so here's like the list. Nordstrom, CB2, Anthropology, Whole Foods, Old Navy, Saxaw Fifth, Home Depot, Alethea, Abercrombie & Finch, Disney, Marshalls, H&M, and Gap. And that's included. Like and now, everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like every prominent every prominent like store has left san francisco's like most okay. uh, prevalent Man. shopping area yeah didn't take them very long to look that over did it uh, you legalize theft you criminalize defending yourself and um I, there's just yeah they don't have to be there that's what these fucking uh progressives don't seem to understand or well, we're just going to tax the rich and it's like yeah no they don't have to sit there and be abused and just take it they can leave uh the people that can't leave <laughs> are going to be the ones left dealing with the fucking fallout from this well the I'm, ones that I'll they see. claim to care about yeah on top of that, San Francisco office uh, office space is plummeting in value, and the city's credit rating has been lowered to negative amidst a seven hundred and eighty million dollar budget shortfall. Yeah. A lot of that budget shortfall due to shrinking tax revenues because all of these major stores, the you know, they say that the rich don't pay their fair share of taxes, but why is it every time the rich and these big corporations start leaving these big cities, all of a sudden you see a huge budget shortfall because right. now they're not getting tax money in? Yeah, Amazing like, how that works, isn't it? It's it's unbelievable the the level of stupidity of people. They hear these like slogans and they don't even think about it for two seconds. It's like, well, okay, how are poor people paying all the taxes? You know what I mean? It's like they don't have any money to take. So where is all the tax revenue coming? Of course, it's coming from fucking rich people. That's where like the vat, it was it like 1% pay more than half the taxes in the country, something like that. It's like, yeah, of course, because they have all the fucking money. So it's just like, yeah, if they leave, it's going to be a big fucking problem. Well, that, remember it happened in, uh, I guess Cuomo was still the governor in, uh, in New York, like, Follow, immediately following COVID, or I guess it was in like early 2020. It was before he got ousted, so I, I can't remember when that was exactly. But all of these people started like fleeing New York and leaving yeah. and going to Florida and Tennessee yeah. and and other places. And like you had you had Cuomo and um, 
oh de blasio the the former new york mayor they're like doing doing press conferences and stuff and like like just begging people don't don't leave please stay and the whole justification was because they were losing so much tax revenue from all of these people leaving that they weren't going to be able to keep shit running the way that they had been running it. It's like if the rich yeah. don't pay their fair share, but you can't cover any of your bills when the rich people leave, who's not who's not paying their fair share? Like, how's yeah. that? How's that? Oh, God, I hate that fucking term fair share, too. Fucking Obama brought that shit. And it was just, oh disgusting every time i hear it i fucking just cringe but yeah they went to florida um some of them went to like uh puerto rico like all these hedge fund guys left and like it just takes a couple of fucking billionaires to leave your city and it's just like oops maybe we should have toned down the rhetoric and and uh not you know they love to just raise taxes on people because they think they're gonna get like the exact same amount like if you're paying 20% in taxes, like, ooh, if we if we raise it to 40%, then we'll get 40%. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're going to get uh, 40% of nothing because they're going to be gone. <laughs> it's just like, or they're going to change their their habits and they're going to earn less. Like, they're going to figure out a way to get out from under the 40% burden. So you're never going to get that. But yeah, uh, Matt, I'll, I'll do some some boy math for you because I know that's a, that's a thing now, some boy math. Yeah, you, you raise taxes too high and you're going to get 40% of nothing instead of 20% of something. You figure out which one you would like, AOC. Kicking, kicking fucking Amazon out and shit. <laughs> it's like, oh man. These cities are going to fucking shit, man. Hell in a hand cart. Hell in a hand basket. I've heard it different ways. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of New York, Right after we wrapped uh, our last episode, comeuppance, another uh, we had another incident of comeuppance come up, and this one was particularly interesting because uh, it's a pretty violent stabbing of a a very progressive activist who. It's just such a great example of this fantasy world, I think, that these people live in and being met with the harsh reality of the world that their uh, their policies have created. Their, maybe not their policies, their mentality has created. Um, this was a, a couple that were like hanging out on a bench. They were coming back from like a, a wedding or something in uh, Long Island. And it's, it's like 4 a.m., they're sitting on a bench and do, yeah, I guess we could play the video. There's actually, there's two different videos. There's one where they, they sort of edit out the, the most gruesome part of the stabbing. But basically this guy walks by them and then starts kicking over some mopeds or something. And for whatever reason, they decide to get up and walk toward the crazy guy and, and start like uh, intervene. And the guy's like, you know, starts coming at him. I'll fuck. I'll I'll kill you. Whatever. And then this guy's like, "Oh no, hey guy, like it's cool. I'm I'm one of you. Like I'm a Black Lives Matter supporter. Just chill out. Just chill out." And then the next thing he knows, he's getting fucking stabbed in the throat. It's like, dude. First of all, why are you walking toward a fucking lunatic at 4 a.m.? What? 
possible good like you should be walking the other direction yeah we can go ahead and play it this is the shortened version yeah this is the shorter version so he's already they were sitting on the bench originally the guy came walking by uh kind of acting crazy he comes up here and starts like kicking kicking on a vehicle and doing some crazy shit and so for some reason they've now gotten up and they're they're going over to confront this yeah, crazy person cuts out the it cuts out like the the actual part so he like runs and he, he biffs it on the fucking bench and he cracks his fucking head he falls down and then this guy runs up and stabs him like three more times kills him girlfriend just couldn't give a shit like i don't know if they had a fight or something <laughs> like she just didn't seem to care and uh this guy i mean they've they've got him in in custody now but she's the girlfriend is like one of these uh very very progressive all cops are bad there she is with the acab uh shirt on very uh uh active black lives matter supporter she was involved in some of the riots things like she, that she refused to identify the assailant to the cops because she thought that that would perpetuate race uh systematic racist racism yeah yeah, didn't want to didn't want to describe the the assailant. Okay, um, they've <laughs> they've set up a GoFundMe. So the friends of this guy Ryan Carson and his girlfriend have set up a GoFundMe. Now, normally when this happens, it's like, hey, you know, like here's our GoFundMe to raise money for the funeral and the services and things like that. Um, they've they did this so that they can so working class people can take time off work and properly mourn that's uh that's why the gofundme is there as oh my god dude is this just fucking infuriating <laughs> like you're just going to fucking raise money off this guy fucking dying so that you can take some time off of work we need a we need a mental health day so give us some money Sorry, I didn't mean to close it. I was about to like this this paragraph right here is just fucking insane. We are a collective of Ryan's close friends reeling from a brutal loss. We are asking for your help on behalf of his partner and easing the burden and stress of this horrifying situation so that we can have space and time to grieve and remember Ryan. Immediate needs are to offset the cost of working class people taking time off to work to properly mourn. Um what and then and people have donated over fifty thousand dollars to it's up to sixty something now sixty four grand something like that yeah it's I, some people are just donating the minimum like they're donating five bucks just to tell these guys how fucking despicable they are which is pretty great uh I mean at one it's on some level you're just like wow at least they're honest about what they're gonna use the money for but on another level it's just like wait you should be embarrassed about admitting that like they think that that's like a, a legitimate justification for asking for money 
where it's just like, oh yeah, th- no, this will like uh, tug at people's heartstrings. Be like, yes, you know, you should, um, you you should, you know, you need to really take it, take uh, you know, a couple weeks off and mourn properly. Yeah, uh, take a, take this time and think about what you've done because this they one of the, the I think it was the girlfriend said uh, he would if you know if he could speak from beyond the grave, he would like be sympathetic to the guy, the guy's uh, plight, (laughs) this guy's struggle that stabbed him something to that effect. I forget exactly how she worded it. And then there was like another incidence. This was like fucking hilarious. I forget where I saw this somewhere on Twitter where it was like, he (laughs) one time before this happened, Ryan talked somebody out of mugging him. And he gave him some money or something like he gave him money to not mug him. And so that gave him the confidence to think that he could talk this guy out of, uh, you know, whatever, stop kicking over motorcycles or something. And it's just like, dude, um, <laughs> here, I'll give you all my money if you don't mug me. <laughs> this is the level of retardation that we're dealing with here. And it's just like what like this guy lives in a fucking fantasy world where it's like, yeah, you can just go up to a fucking a crazy person who's having like a, a fucking episode and just talk them down. Hey, dude, just chill. Just chill. Just chill. It's no big deal, man. I'm one of you. Yeah, uh, I'm one of you. That that line has always worked. I guarantee you that's 100 percent success rate with that one. Right. And. Oh God, it's just even apparently, even when met with um, your own death, that wouldn't change your uh, your mentality or your approach to uh, to society. Um, Nobody. These people should not be held accountable for their actions. It's like, you know, it was an oppressive system and institutionalize this institutionalize that Um, we don't want to describe the assailant because that will play into stereotypes yeah um okay keep going and unfortunately uh this is just i i mean yes these are these are comeuppance but other people are being affected by this as well who didn't ask for it um and like i just can't tell you how much disdain i have for these types of people um so like i'm not i'm not losing any sleep over this guy getting fucking stabbed but uh i was notified that a friend of a high school friend of mine was killed a couple days ago um after like some altercation with a guy um yeah yeah so a friend of mine from high school actually no like was really good friends with this guy in college apparently father of the three just had another kid and uh this dude shot him in the head i don't know exactly i i don't know if there it said, said there was video i never i didn't see any video of it but Something happened. He was on his way to the reunion and he got into it with, with some guy on the street and they had some words or whatever. And this guy just fucking popped him. Uh, the guy that popped him had been arrested not 10 times, not 20 times. Nope. Not even 30 times, 66 times, 66. So more than fucking more like, I don't even think there's anything I've done 66 times, let alone be arrested 66 times. It's just like, that is just such an insane number. 
And they weren't just like, oh, he stole a bag of Doritos 66 times. Like some of these were like violent assaults and shit. And he's out on the streets. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, uh, we're all going to have to deal with the fallout from these just horrible, horrible misguided policies. I mean, that's like, that's how it is with most of these. Like you, you see these violent crimes where people stab people or shoot people or whatever in these big cities. And then when they, when you go and look at who the perp was, it turns out that they've got a fucking rap sheet seven miles long and they've been in jail so many times. And then they, they never stay like they, they put them in jail and then they just turn around and they let them right back out. And yeah, this, it was and something like this about, guy. Uh, go ahead. We're not talking about people that have like, you know, got caught with possession of a dime bag or something, or like had, you know, ha had a little bit of like uh drug dealing or something like that. Like these are violent, legit criminals who should be locked away for some time. I I'm not a big proponent of, you know, the, uh, of the justice system or of, in you know, mass incarcerations, but there are some people who, need to be removed from civilized society and put in jail. And you're, you're letting th those are the ones that they're letting back out on the streets. Like, Holy yeah, shit. It, it's, it's unbelievable. I think this guy never did more than three or six months in, in prison or something. And dude, I don't even like, I, I agree with you. I, I go back and forth with this where it's just like, I don't know how long do you lock these people up for? Or do you just fucking kill them off? I don't know. If you if you get caught stealing a bag of Doritos 66 times, I'm fine with removing you from society. Like, there's something fucking wrong with you. You can't you can't learn this lesson after the 65th time. I'm like, all right, that's it. I don't care if it was a fucking bag of Doritos each time. Like, you're done. I've had it with you. That's too many fucking times. But yeah, no, like he, there was like, it was like a fucking home invasion. I forget exactly all the fucking things that this guy did, but 66 times and you still get to be uh, out on the fucking streets. Not, but they'll give not, somebody, not they'll give somebody literally life in jail for possession of marijuana. Right. Like, but this guy gets to, this guy gets to, and yeah. what, what are the odds that six months from now he's back on the streets? Yeah. Well. We'll see. I mean, this one, I think they got him on tape fucking shooting somebody in the head. So that might be hard to get around. But you never know these days uh, with these really sympathetic fucking uh, DAs and everything. Um, oh, shit. They're going to say because he has so much mental anguish from all of the times that he's been through the system, this 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 racist system that has targeted him 67 times now that he just needs to be let go. And and they'll forgive all of his all of his past crimes, and he can just go and live a better life. They're they're sorry that they have constant that they have harassed him for so long. Yeah. I'm sure is going to be something yeah. along those those lines. Well, and then you have, like you said, like there are people with like drug possession charges that are doing life in prison. Um, uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank on his name. The guy that was running the website, um, Albright. Albrecht? Oh yeah, Ross Ulbricht. Yeah, Ulbricht. Um, he's been in prison for what decades now, because he yeah. started a website. Yeah, he didn't even do any. Like he, yes, the website offered services and stuff for some illegal <laughs> things, but he did. He didn't do anything. Like he just created the website. 
yeah it it's it's akin to being like uh I, I forget who who made this analogy but it's a great one um not mine so i'm borrowing from somebody here but when they were talking about ross albright and and what happened to him and it's like if you invented the telephone and somebody used the telephone to organize a drug deal or organize like a, a hit on so like to kill somebody and they don't get the guy that was uh doing the drug deal or the murder or something it's like oh, you invented the telephone you gave them the ability to communicate with each other so we're gonna give you life in prison that's what they did to this guy um Apparently, you can just fucking, you know, do whatever you want 66 times and still be. This guy's got a hell of a fucking lawyer. <laughs> the best public defender uh, ever gets this guy off uh, 66 times. And, really and meanwhile, while they let people like this just keep going back and back and back and back, <clears throat> you've got the SEC. And uh, so this is like the latest round of of. Uh, three-letter agencies going after Elon Musk for his Twitter purchase. But now we've got the SEC that's coming after Elon. Uh, Again, yeah, another investigation. This is uh, like, this is what's happened. Like you have to take a step back and look at all these different pieces. Like a lot of people just tend to, they have like this tunnel vision where like, okay, yeah, Elon Musk, SEC, uh, Donald Trump being indicted. And it's like, no, look at what they're doing. Look at what all of these things have in common and look what happens when, so Elon Musk buys Twitter, tries to make it more of a, like a free speech platform. And he's just been, they've just done nothing but fucking investigate everything about it. Um, meanwhile, like he exposed the Twitter file, like everything that was exposed during Twitter files, nobody gives a shit about that apparently in the government. It's fine. No big deal. Um, but well, the fact that this guy's using his his money and his influence to try to um, retain some semblance of freedom in America. And it's just like, yep, we're going to come after you. Well, and it's interesting that the SEC is now suing him and coming after him after within the last week or so, he has been very critical of and called for and, and uh, kind of not exactly blown the whistle, but said out loud the things that people knew but didn't want to acknowledge about the SEC and the way that they ha handle some of their business and stuff like he has been saying things about the SEC calling them calling them to the you know calling them to the carpet and telling people what's actually goes on with the SEC and calling for like reform to look into fixing the way that they do things and now they're and now they're targeting him like every time he he keeps going after these different organizations and stuff and then now he, as soon, you know, be a little less transparent. Like <laughs> he comes out and he says something about you and now you're just going to open an investigation into him. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, give it a couple, at least yeah. give it a couple months to marinate. <laughs> so it doesn't look like a direct response. Right. People that um, have a decent head on their shoulders can see this for what it is. But there are plenty of people that have like Elon Musk almost has like a level of Trump derangement syndrome and people. Uh, and then people on Twitter being like, oh, you know, this, this is like a legitimate investigation. It's not what, it's not because of this. It's not because of that. It's like, dude, when the fuck are you going to wake up? When are you going to wake up? You think the SEC really cares about like, uh, 
I forget what was the first time they investigated it was because like his disclose like he disclosed something too late. Like he filled out the paperwork a little late or something. Or he turned in the paperwork late. And then he said he was going to be a passive investor and he changed his mind and and took like a board seat and then he was like took over the company and like uh like so they're going like a lot of this stuff is ticky tack fucking bullshit that they don't care about unless you make yourself an enemy of them and then they care about it and meanwhile they're letting all kinds of things go uh, well i guess we'll just forget about the fact that he didn't he just like eliminate a fucking child pornography ring that was going around twitter wasn't that a thing? That has been one of the big things that uh, Twitter has been targeting since Musk took over was going after the the child pornography and also some of the uh, child traffic tra <clears throat> child trafficking stuff that have been going on. Yeah, that might be his big mistake. I mean, we know how much government people in government love uh, molesting children. So. Um, for every every instance of you're making less you're making that less available look out man well that's remember i don't know if we talked about it on this show or not remember when elon first took over twitter and all of the like psychopath leftists were like well we're leaving twitter and going to mastodon and then within a month <laughs> it was there was like all all kinds of reports coming out about child pornography and child sex trafficking that was going on on Mastodon. It's like, um, so all of the leftists left Twitter to go to Mastodon, and now Mastodon has a huge child porn problem. Wow, you yeah, don't they say they don't Amazing. get to hide in like the billions of people on Twitter. <laughs> oh man, it. I don't, I don't even know almost what to say anymore, except that this is, this is what is going to happen to you if you try to do something that I would say is the right thing to do. But if you just go against the, the regime, I mean, they, everything is weaponized uh, or potentially weaponized against you. So uh, Elon Musk is going to be mired in SEC investigations and they're going to come at him for all, all kinds of things while they let everything else that um, the SEC is supposed to be working on there. The, everything else just goes by the way. So like all kinds of insider trading in government, things like that. SEC doesn't care about um, it. It really is just fucking despicable. And it's just so it's so obvious it's so obvious what they're doing and it's so obvious like even before they started doing it that that's what that's why these things exist none of these government programs none of these agencies none of these laws exist to protect you they exist so that they can be used against you to keep you in line to keep you uh scared dependent that's what it's about and they they prove it over and over and over again um, they, they don't care about, like I said, about the war on terror overseas. Uh, that, that's the excuse. That's what gets the camel's nose under the tent. And now what are you going to, and everybody that's being put on these FBI lists, like they all fucking supported that Patriot Act. It's uh man, the comeuppance, the irony is it's incredible. And I hate to say, I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> well, I'd say to uh, since we're getting kind of close to time, we got 
something that we can start to wind down on. Uh, there is the preliminary unadjusted jobs report came out today. Uh, I was just looking at, I'd seen some zero hedge had been putting out some numbers earlier this morning. And now they just, uh, they just within the last little bit here, put out the, the, um, the report. Yeah. 885,000 full-time jobs were lost, but 1.127 million part-time jobs were added. So just wait. The the administration will be coming out here very soon saying, look at all these. We added 300,000 jobs. Yeah, yes, we did yeah. a great job. It was a, a six sigma beat on the estimate. The estimate was 170,000 and it was like 336,000 or something created. So, uh, yeah, they are really massaging the data here. Um, and like 70, 76,000 of them were government jobs, apparently. It's, dude, nobody believes these numbers anymore. They're absolutely ridiculous. And if you do like the, the, the private surveys, it's like, oh, everyone's like losing jobs. <laughs> like we lost 22,000 jobs. And it's like, nope, we gained 86,000 in that area, actually. It's just like, it's fucking cartoonish how ridiculous they're getting with all of this data. And they're just, it's a weird thing because this is going to give, so the initial market reaction to this was like stocks just dumped uh, early this morning. And that's because they're afraid, like ev with every good jobs report, I think they think, oh, well, the Fed's going to keep raising rates because everything's really good with the economy. And so it's this weird, it's this weird dynamic where it's like, the Biden administration has to keep lying and tell you that Bidenomics works. And here's the, here's the evidence for that. Look at the jobs report. Look at, look at these numbers. Look at inflation's down. And nobody's living this experience, but this is what the data that they come up with says. And this is the data that the, the Federal Reserve will use to um, justify further rate hikes, which will eventually collapse this uh, bubble economy that we're living in. So, Well, and as they can... As they continue to hike the rates and and you see people who are not actually living the experience of Biden of the you know the great the great Bidenomics, they're they're actually getting hit pretty hard. You uh, this is one of those that we haven't talked about yet, but <clears throat> it's kind of been one of those that was on the back burner for several weeks and, and we just never did get to it. But the the, uh, the Airbnb like collapsed. Yeah, I've been so I've been following this for a while now, um, more than a few months. And I keep seeing these articles. Um, a lot of them, Zero Hedge has been doing a, a pretty good job with this. But I've also just I've personally, I do a lot of traveling. As, as you guys know, I've stopped using Airbnb. Like, first of all, it's it's no longer a deal. Um, it, it's usually more expensive than um like a hotel or, or using like booking.com, like you'll find better deals elsewhere, uh, which is why I, one of the reasons I stopped using it. And a lot of these people, yeah, they've, they've used it as like almost like a get rich quick scheme or something like, you know, quit your nine to five. You just, you borrow a bunch of money because money's so cheap right now. They're giving it away two three percent. You buy a bunch of these properties, you farm out the management to some management company, and you just sit back and you collect your, you know, uh, the revenue is enough to pay the mortgages and blah, blah, blah and you just kind of sit back and, and earn money that way. Uh, now, travel has slowed down considerably, and 
there's a good reason for that. It's because everything's so much more expensive. People can barely afford to fucking feed themselves. And if you look at airline prices, I'm telling you, like, again, I do a lot of traveling. I buy a lot of flights. I just had to book my flight for Christmas. It is uh, three times the price that it was just a few years ago. I mean, we're, we're talking close to $1,000 round trip for fucking steerage back to the Midwest. Uh, that it used to be 250, 300 bucks, 350, around 350 for the most time. Like some, the most I had ever paid before like 2021 was like 450 bucks round trip direct. The cheapest I ever paid was like 185. And now we're at a thousand dollars. So travel is, is slowing down. Uh, people are not using Airbnb as much. So the cash flows on this have gone negative. Uh, it's down like 40 to 50% in, in some areas, the bookings for Airbnb. And so these people that have been over leveraged that have bought way too many properties are now looking like, how do I get out from under? How do I sell this? Cause it's, it's no longer cash flow positive and they can't just keep paying these mortgages. Uh, they don't have the, the income for it. And there's going to be, uh, so what the, the theory is that there's going to be a fire sale on these Airbnb properties and that's going to um, sort of precipitate this decline in housing prices. Because right now, housing prices are really high, um, even though mortgage rates are climbing up to 8%, because nobody wants to, nobody in their right mind would sell their house right now that they were living in if they had a 3% mortgage, because mortgages are 8%. So, but the, the thing is, nobody's living in these Airbnbs. And nobody's renting these Airbnbs. So you're just getting fucking crushed even at a 3% mortgage if you don't have the cash flow to pay for it. So you got to sell it. And if all of these things, if, if there's like, you know, uh, a deluge of fucking Airbnb properties going on on the market, that's going to collapse housing prices. And all you need is a few in a neighborhood to bring down the uh, assessed value of the other properties. Um Anyway, Airbnb, yeah, Airbnb sucks now, dude. Unless, unless you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe like for your family or something where you have like, I don't know, 15 people for vacation, then it's probably like a, you rent like a big house or something that would, I could see that making sense. But if it's just you and you just need a room for a couple of nights, like you're probably better off in a hotel now. And that's, I mean, part of that's because the fucking hotel industry lobbied the government to put all these regulations in place and, um, force Airbnb to charge more for things. And then part of it's just sort of like the Airbnb model where it, we see this with a lot of startups where they like undercharge for things and they, they lose money for like a really long time. And then they have to gradually increase the, the prices that they're charging for things so that they can become profitable over time. <sighs> what else we got? We got a couple more things, right? Well, you were talking, you were talking about travel. I think we could play this TikTok. Oh, yeah. Big gal. I'm going to revolutionize the travel industry and make it a more accessible, accepting, accommodating place for all. The needs of plus-size travelers matter just as much as anybody else. And today I'm going to cover what we are looking for in accessible, size-inclusive hotel amenities. Size-inclusive hotel amenities are crucial for ensuring that plus-size travelers feel welcomed, accommodated, and comfortable during their stay. We deserve an environment that respects our needs and body diversity. These are the exact steps that hotels can take to be more size inclusive and accessible for travelers of all sizes. 
Number one on the list, provide sturdy wider chairs without armrests in guest rooms, lobbies, and common areas to accommodate different body sizes and types. Number two on the list, ensure beds with strong support and a higher weight capacity, along with providing reinforced chairs and wider bathroom facilities. Number three, make elevators and hallways spacious to allow for easy movement of larger individuals and those utilizing mobility devices. Number four, install grab bars and showers and near toilets. Offer adjustable handheld shower heads and raise the <laughs> added accessibility oh my god pause it for a second <laughs> like i are you just picturing fat people falling and breaking chairs and beds and everything because that's exactly what she's essentially saying here it's like every time i sit down the chair breaks the bed can't support me i get stuck in the bathtub it's <laughs> like winnie chairs without armrests <laughs> because we can't get in Jesus Christ, lady. Like, maybe some of these things should uh, be a hint that you should hit the gym. Go for like a walk, like, start going for walks, maybe. Need Instead hand, of just need, like, we need to make the hallways wider so I can fucking waddle down them. We need handlebars and or like grab bars by the toilet. Yeah. Can you yeah. see these? And, then, you and higher just toilet. like getting stuck the, on the, the toilet and having to like roll off. Yeah, and the toilet's too low. It's like, dude, this is the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard without intentionally being funny. Because she's just admit, like, admitting to all these really embarrassing things that have happened to her. <laughs> Body diversity. We need higher toilets. Number five, train staff to be respectful, understanding, and accommodating to travelers of all sizes. Uh, staff is not accommodating or respectful to travelers of any size like this right pop the brakes there lady you're asking a lot yeah it's not because you're fat <laughs> number six provide pool lifts and handrails at the entry of the pool this will allow for plus size guests and guests with different abilities to enjoy all amenities number seven hotel restaurants should have roomy seating options and sturdy chairs ensuring that everybody can dine comfortably number eight offer larger beach and pool seating Provide oversized loungers and seating at the beach and pool areas, allowing travelers of all sizes and abilities to be comfortable. Number nine, hotels should provide size-inclusive bathrobes. These should go up to a size 6X and beyond. And hotels should also provide bath sheets or plus-size friendly towels so that travelers of all sizes and abilities can use them comfortably. And last but not least, this is an important one. Display clear and accurate information on these amenities on hotel websites. Include weight limits, seat dimensions, and things like that. And include information on the size-inclusive amenities available. This will help plus-size travelers make informed decisions. By implementing these size-inclusive hotel amenities, hotels can become more inclusive and accommodating. Be sure to hit that follow button for more plus-size travel tips. And share I might have to follow her for some more tips. Maybe maybe she's on to Maybe we need to start like a plus size travel industry kind of thing because America is pretty goddamn fat. See, here's the thing, though. She wants like triple or not triple. Uh, six, six, six X and beyond. I didn't even realize it went that high. How many X's can you fit on a little fucking tag? Well, once you get that big, there's a lot more tag available. So uh, the tag doesn't say the, the tag is size. the size of a normal towel. And then you have the plus size towel for these fucking beached whales to just fucking lay on the fuck, dude. Get up and move around. Well, like the thing is, as you start <clears throat> adding these things, that adds additional costs. Like more is not the same price. Are they going to be willing to spend extra money? Like, to put no, they, your just, market they just want everything to be retrofitted for their fat asses. It's right. unbelievable. Like the, she said, the elevators and the halls need to be bigger. 
Okay, I just widen the hallways. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Wait, what? We'll start just making, tear like, this fucking thing down to the studs and start over again just so we yeah. can accommodate your fat ass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, dude, they should just, uh, instead of retrofitting everything, just move them in through like the freight elevator and like the back entrance where they bring in like all the big shit. <laughs> it's like, here's where we bring through the pallets and like back up the trucks and they'll just start wheeling these people in. Like cat, it, oh my god, that was just so fucking hilarious to me. And just, I feel like if if I was in that situation, the the very first time I came across, like I sat in a chair and it broke, that would be like my wake up call. I'm like, all right, I have to, I have to change, I have to change my life. And I, 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 I don't want that to happen again. Back during the winter. I got in my truck and I went to put on my seatbelt and I, I got pinched and I realized I've developed a fucking fat roll It pinched in my seatbelt. Yeah. Now it's time. It's time for me to get back in shape. And I started, I started working out every day and I started running and I'm uh, I, at my biggest. I was right at two, two twenty eight, two thirty, somewhere in that range. I'm back down about two Oh five two ten, like where I kind of want to be That's for my slim. And he, dude, he's like, seven feet tall ladies and gentlemen so yeah that that actually seems a little light i think 225 maybe would be okay for somebody who's seven like six seven what are you fucking he's this goddamn giant um anyway <laughs> yeah it's I, I mean yeah there are like you can attack these problems early you don't have to wait until you need like your own um specially designed hallway to try to get yourself into shape but it's just the, the it's such like an interesting window into people's mentality now where it's like the world should adjust to me because this is where I am. Everybody else has to adjust. Like, by the way, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that she gets to bring the same amount of luggage onto a plane as I do because me and if I filled up every suitcase I had, I would, it wouldn't. And you put me on a scale with all of my luggage, it wouldn't even add up to her whatever that was, but she gets, she gets the same amount of, um, allowance for luggage. That's bullshit. I've said this many times. They should start weighing people with the bag that they're checking. That's how it should be done. It shouldn't be like, Oh, every person gets 25 pounds or 50 pounds or something because yeah, like you're 205. I'm like 155. <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute. That's bullshit. I'm getting screwed here. The world should adjust to me. Put everybody on the fucking scale and that like you get, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, 300 pounds per person. And so I should be getting like discounts, but I'm pay I'm paying more and I'm not, I've never, I've, I bet you she could fly. If she flew one time, it would take me three or four flights just to add up to her one weight on that one flight. How's that <laughs> fair for me? <laughs> Agreed. Oh my God. But yes, the, the world should start um, adjusting to morbidly obese people. That's what we should do now. And I'm sure that like, that's going to be a platform now pretty soon in government. They got to start making things more comfortable for people that have just let themselves go beyond, uh, beyond, I don't even know what I, <laughs> body positivity. That's we, if you're not, if you're not, uh, 
If you're not exhibiting body positivity, you're you're a bigot. That's the way this works. Yeah. You have to you have to support everybody, uh, no matter what size or shape they are. Yeah, and it's not like again, it's that's not helpful. Want, it's not if like they want to die at forty of uh, heart failure for non jab related reasons. That's their choice. Yeah, it, ugh, it's disgusting. It, you're enabling people. You're just watching them kill themselves faster and making it easier for them to do so. I refuse to do that. So, but I wouldn't mind. I don't know. She might be on to a, a nice business venture there. I might invest. It's Travel funny because I've, I've been watching some shows from like the the '90s and the '80s and stuff, and where the where they like just relentlessly make fun of the fat kid all the time and stuff like, like, I, and I the fat the kid good, wasn't even that fat, right? <laughs> it's like I miss the good old days when you could, when you could call somebody, you know, when you could actually like a, abuse somebody for being fat, even though they're not that fat. Like, that's, yeah, like that was when they were actually just kind of big boned. <laughs> times, yeah. Yeah, well, we get to see what what all that does. Like when you remove that element from society, and, and like uh, slut shaming and things like that, look what happens. There is now a you, certain level of bullying that is healthy and a positive thing for society, and and we have uh, we've removed all of that. Yeah, and it's working out uh, wonderfully. So yeah, okay. <laughs> I think uh, we probably got a wrap pretty soon. Is there anything else we need to get to today? I think that's about it. Uh, those are the main things we got on today's docket. Cool. Yeah, I got to get going. I, I think uh, I don't think I'll be able to do the uh, the happy hour today either. Something has come up. So we're going to have to reschedule that one, unfortunately, which is why we're doing the, the early episode today. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a wrap. Follow us on Twitter. Our handles are right there. Um, I will link to everything in the description so you can support the show. Check out the Substack and everything like that. You got anything coming up? Uh, I've got a live stream next Thursday. I'll be joined by Jonathan Hemingway, uh, Don the Pleb, and LB Muniz. We are going to talk about Rome and the Roman Empire. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can't can't get enough of that Roman Empire. We got to do it. We got to make an. We got to make a, a an official stream of it. <laughs> all right. Well, stay tuned for that. And uh, if you guys can do all that for us, we'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode for you. Until then, you know what to do. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.